It's my belief that one singular conference and no divisions is the future of college football, and it's time for the SWAC to follow suit. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives right here at the bottom of the screen. If you are on YouTube, make sure you do not forget the S at the end. Tweet me, DM me, whatever. Let's chop it up right now. Let's hop into our opening segment. I believe that it is time for the swag to eliminate divisions. No more East, no more West, just simply swag. That's it. I want to know what you guys think. I want you to hear my reasoning, but I do want to know what you guys think. I think it's time only because I want to see the two best teams in the conference fight it out at the end of the year in the conference championship game. I also believe that this is the future of college football. A lot of people do it for scheduling, but not for me. I just want it so I have the two best teams. Um, FAMU was the second best team in the conference for the last two years. And I understand bringing up Florida A&M and talking about them facing off with Jackson State later in the season may lead you to believe I'm about to go down the path of saying, if FAMU played Jackson State later, it'll be a different story. We don't know how the game will play out. Technically, no, we don't. But that's not the argument that I'm making today. The argument that I'm making today is that I wanted to see those two teams face off again. I don't care if it was a blowout in week one. By the end of the season, I knew who the two best teams were. You know, last year it was significantly more close. So, yeah, you want to. You want to see that. But Prairie View wasn't the second best team in 2021. That was FAMU. Southern isn't the second best team this year. That was FAMU. I could even make an argument that Alabama State deserves to be ranked third. So now you're looking at three teams in the East. And sometimes it's going to happen like that. Like, that's just variance. That's life. You know, the idea that FAMU was uh, – got the short end of the stick or something because they weren't able to face Jackson State again in the conference championship. No, not at all. That's just how divisions work. I just want to eliminate them so we don't have to go into this anymore. And like I said, it's the future of college football. You look at the Power 5 schools, right? The biggest, I know we hate comparing, but I'm just pointing to where I think things are going. We had Candace Cooper on the show talk about the ACC format and how all of these things revolve around scheduling. Right. None of these things actually revolve around what my purpose is. But I'm just saying this is the future. I think this is where things are headed. The ACC is going to it next year. The Big 12 already has no divisions. The Pac-12 already has no divisions. The SEC has been talking about eliminating divisions after wanting to change their scheduling. They thought about keeping the two divisions, thought about having pies, thought about just having a singular conference, and they landed on that. And if you don't want to point to that because I'm not trying to compare to the FBS level or, oh, the FBS is doing it, let's do it. No, I just think it's a really good idea. But let's even go to the HBCU level and the D2s. You're looking at the SEAC. They have the 442 model. And that's, like I said, 
all about scheduling and making sure that everybody gets to play everybody home in a way in a timely fashion. But eventually, I mean, not eventually, but when it happens, it does lead to just the best teams playing. It goes by conference win percentage. So fam, you would have been in the conference championship game against Jackson State again. And you feel comfortable because you know that these are the two best teams. Every single year, the two best teams are going to face off or at least the two best teams by record. Right. You can either say record or feel neither one of those things happen over the last two years. And like I said, again, I'll reiterate, I do understand how this type of variance happens. This is this is just regular when you have divisions. That's OK. I'm just trying to, you know, take that obstacle out the way. All right. I ain't, I'm not silly. I know how it goes. And if they keep um, divisions, that's fine. It works. It does work. I just think a little bit of more forward thinking i'll say right that's that's what i think um and then also i do want to say the downside the downside is you're probably not going to have a swag team in the the fcs playoffs i have been a, a a proponent of the playoffs because i just i like that but you're probably not going to have that again because Fam, you didn't make it this year as the second best team. It's not many times that the third best team in the SWAC is going to have a good enough record to make it into the playoffs. So with that being said, if you are a heavy playoff team or you like, oh, I want to be in the playoffs. First off, I don't think anybody should aspire to be in a college football or in the uh, FCS playoffs if you're in the SWAC. You just shouldn't. At the beginning of the year, you should never say my goal is to get into the FCS playoffs because that means that you did not win your division. That means you are not in the conference championship game in every single year. Your goal should be to win the conference championship game. So that's one reason I don't really mind this downside. All right, whatever. I'll, I will take that air quotes on here loss if it means I don't get to be in the conference or in the FCS playoffs, but I do get to watch the two best teams fight it out at the end of the year. Sign me up for that. That's my preference. Tell me what you think. Do you think that this is a good idea? If this is a good idea, are you okay with them missing out on the FCS playoffs? The second best team is not going to get in because the SWAC championship game is, I believe, if not the same week, the week after the FCS playoffs start. So that is a no-go. You can't have both. Let me know what you think in the comments below or on Twitter, and we will point to this graphic again. Yeah. I'm pointing a lot better now. But yeah, <laughs> that's, hey, look, pointing to this graphic has been my arch nemesis, right? And apparently saying arch nemesis was my arch nemesis for two seconds, but we will conquer. Anyway, with that being said, we're going to go forward and we're going to be talking about James Houston because he is on an absolute tear in Detroit. His, his nickname still ringing true. James Houston, the problem in his first two games as a Detroit Lion. Before we get into that, however, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. Good friends at LinkedIn, and they should be your good friends too. If you are looking for a job or if you are a small business owner, this is the website for you. Because if you don't have a job, you're probably looking for one. LinkedIn is going to have you be able to put your resume out to so many more employers. And those employers should be using LinkedIn because they want to reach out to those candidates that are qualified for the job quicker. It's really that easy. LinkedIn is the place to be if you want to get your employees, if you want to get your job. It goes twofold. Just make sure you use the, uh, the hashtag purple or the purple hashtag hiring frame. If you are an employer, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. 
As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked on Sports today with Peter Bukowski bringing on all of the local experts to break down the national stories. And he actually did use a clip from I believe Monday's episode, and he used it on Locked On Sports today, so I was right. Even though I didn't get the call, I was still featured. So shout out to uh, Peter on that one. But I want to talk about James Houston because, yeah, he ain't a problem. He is the problem. And nothing has changed since he's been in Detroit. One thing that stuck out to me from James Houston's preseason, or I guess training camp more so, is that in his first training camp practice, he was said to be the best player on the field. I don't care if it was only one day. I don't care if um, of other rookies or other players didn't rose to the occasion. I don't care if, if his play even dropped a little bit. We know it ain't dropped too much. But I don't care if it, if he never reached that level again in that practice. Your six-round pick being the best player on the field at any day in practice, if that ever happens to your team, make sure you watch out. Just follow and see what that guy does because that means he's probably special. Right, we knew he was special, but let's just put ourselves in the mindset of Lions fans. And it, being a Lion fan ain't the joke it used to be. Them boys is fighting. Shout out to Dan Campbell. I really think he saved his job. But James Houston was the best player on the field the first day of practice. He ended up not making a 53-man roster, and he ended up being on the practice squad. That's fine. I guess he might just need some fine-tuning. And if that's what he needed, he came out swinging because in his first game, he became the first Lion ever, and technically still the only Lion ever, to record a double or to record multiple sacks in his first game as a, as a pro, in his debut as a pro, the first Lion to ever do that. And what makes it even more impressive is he had two sacks, only five snaps. He had two sacks on only five defensive snaps. He also recovered a fumble on special teams, right? But he only had five snaps as a defender, and he had two sacks. That is a ridiculous just, just rate. I don't care how many times I said it. I think I said like three, four times right there, and it still never really sank in that, yeah, never really sunk in that, you know what? That's ridiculous. That shouldn't happen. And, of course, you know, you're going to get some more run. But let's break down these two sacks before we move on to the second game because he has played two games as a Lion. Those sacks were both high-energy plays. On one of them, he had to chase down Josh Allen, right? And Aiden Hutchinson, I believe, had gotten to the backfield, made him run out, and he actually ran away from James Houston, but James Houston was able to run him down and, and triple him up at the ankles. On the other one, he just had to fight through a blocker and a chip. He did that on both sacks, but there was no running. He just got to J Josh Allen after that. So on both of his sacks, he had to fight through a chip, he had to fight through the block, and he had to get to take down one of the more difficult quarterbacks in the NFL to sack. All right, let's move on to next week. He's facing Trevor Lawrence. What he's going to do then? He has 17 snaps. Still not a lot, but he has 17 snaps, which is, you know, a jump up from five. Well, when that happens, he gets a sack. And I know it's not two and five, but it's one and 17. That's still pretty good. You know, you're still not on the field much. A lot of players aren't getting a sack in 17 snaps. He did, and this was probably his best rush. He got off, and then he kind of did like a jump skips of sort. He just kind of hopped in the air, and when he landed, there was just this huge explosion, and he blasted by the, the left tackle and did a dip move. It Oh, my gosh. It was a thing of beauty. You know what I mean? It was an absolute thing of beauty, and I was like, oh. So now he's had three sacks and a fumble recovery in his first two games as a professional. 
had a really good move. It wasn't just like, oh, somebody ran them to you. No, I would argue that every single one or none of, I'll put it this way, I think it sounds better. None of the sacks that James Houston got was he the benefactor of someone else. Not a singular one. The closest one you can say is the Aiden Hutchinson one, but he made Josh Allen run away from Houston, and Houston had to chase him down. James Houston is getting all of these sacks on his on his own accord, on his own merit. And I think that's the most impressive part because when you're really looking at sacks, it's like all sacks ain't created equal. And those were some really nice sacks. I, I really do want to go back and look at the last pass rush against the, uh, against the Jaguars. I put it up on my Twitter. So if you do see it, look at it. I ain't lying. It was it was special. But going forward, we're going to be switching gears, and we're going to talk about the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. They are now a part of the Southern Heritage Classic with Tennessee State. I'm going to break down some of the reactions to it and why it's not a permanent thing, but it very well could be. Before I get into that, however, today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. You see the graphic down below. They have you covered this season more odds, props, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is the number one place for all of your sports wagering. It does not matter the sport because they are that versatile. They're not one of these websites that only has the major sports. Man, they also has have soccer, so you can bet on the World Cup. They have um, combat sports. They have esports. They have everything you could possibly think of because they are that versatile. And if they have you covered with all of these bases and covered with all of this knowledge so that you are making in, informed decisions on your bets, why would you go anywhere else? Riddle me that, Batman. Why would you go anywhere else other than bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wage on all of your favorite sports? Bet online, where the game starts. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I want to talk about the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff because they are replacing Jackson State in the Southern Heritage Classic. There's been some mixed reactions. It's kind of a mixed bag on that one. Um, the good things I've heard is that, okay, UAPB is very close. It's actually the closest HBCU that was an option to Nashville. I mean, yes, no, to Memphis, excuse me, where the game is going to be played. That's where the line stopped, though. You know, there was a lot more people. You know, I'm trying to work on the negative bias where the, the bad sticks out more than the positive. But I've seen a lot more bad and a lot more just requesting other schools. I don't even think it was a slander of UAPB. It's just Jackson State announced that they were leaving this this classic before the season even started. So there was a lot of just wondering who was going to replace them. And you probably had a, and you had enough time to where you probably had someone that you're like, yeah, I want that school. That's going to be the school that replaces Jackson State. And I don't. it doesn't seem like UAPB was high on people's list. I heard a lot of Alcorn. I heard a lot of Southern. I heard a lot of FAMU. None of those schools were selected, but here's my thing. If you don't like it, it's relatively temporary. It, it And here's the thing. It could be permanent. I don't want to just knock UAPB. UAPB, if they want this to be a permanent thing, they need to show up major. In the first game, not the second game, the first game. See, let's say UAPB doesn't show up well. They don't travel well, but then they win. And now the second year, it's like, okay, well, we won. We're going to go ahead and travel because somebody said we travel well when we're good, but UAPB is not really good right now. You know, 
So if they, they might not be devoted to going to Memphis to, to watch this game. If they're not, then, and they don't show up, but then they show up for the second one after you win, it's going to look like, to me, this is me as I'm putting my business hat on, to me it will look like, oh, okay, well, they only show up depending on the success of the team. I don't really want that because at the end of the day, it's not all about putting product on the field. It ain't just about that. It's about dollars. It's about how much money you can generate for the city of Memphis. And that's the reason that a lot of people who, who were on the negative side of this were talking about. They said, man, Southern travel's great. Fam, you and that rivalry will be great. Um, um, just And also, like, being able to get out there. And in Alabama, A&M was, was also thrown out there. It was just like, man, that's close to Alcorn. They, they're going to travel. I think it was the idea that these schools are going to pack out the crowd. They're going to bring a lot of money. They're going to generate a lot of revenue for the city. And that's what you need. That's what they're looking for. The reason this is temporary is because it's only a two-year contract. On the the flyer or the poster, however you want to say it, because it was on social media, when they posted it, there was only two dates. And I don't think that was an accident. I think that was a purposeful decision because that's the only two games that are set in stone. We know UAPB versus Tennessee State is going to be here for the next two, two years. After that, we up in the air. Then that's why I say it's important for UAPB to show up in that first game because you only have a two-year audition. I think three years would have been the right move, you know, so you can really see what the trends are and things of that nature. But they only have two years, so you got to make do with that. This is an audition. This is an audition. If you show up and you generate a lot of money for the city, and even if, even if the games aren't the greatest, but let's just say the games are great, if all of those things hit, you're probably going to be back. You can earn your way into being a permanent, uh, a permanent addition to the to the classic. And I've been watching a lot of you know acting podcasts and things of that nature, and I've been just kind of you know gravitating towards that craft a little bit more lately. And they're just talking about how sometimes you're a recurring character, but you you show out, you do your thing, the fans love you, all of that, and then now you become a series regular. You know, I've seen that with uh, the Hurricane, right? I don't know if y'all wrestling fans. Clearly, I am. I brought up a couple of things. Gregory the Hurricane Helms was talking about how, yeah, him and The Rock had a segment back in the day that was supposed to be a one-off, but it was so popular and it was so good that they brought it back. That's what UAPB needs to be. They need to be the actor that was so good as a recurring character that it was like, you know what, we got to bring you back. You can't just be a guest star. You got to come back on a more consistent basis. You have to either be recurring from there or you have to become a semi-regular. That's what UAPB needs to make sure they are. And that's going to be on their fans getting out there and supporting and traveling. Now, the only thing that trumps all of that is if Jackson State says, you know what, we want back in. And yes, Deion Sanders was the, the figurehead and kind of the spokesperson of saying, we're not doing classics. We're moving out. But that doesn't mean he's the only person that was a spearhead. We don't know who was doing what behind the scenes. For all I know, Jackson State could really not want to be in the Classic. And it wasn't just Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders just hopped out there and said what a lot of people were already feeling. A lot of decision makers were already feeling. I don't know. But if Deion Sanders was the reason that they got out and Jackson State now deserves they, or decides they want to be back in and Tennessee State is open to that, I think that's the one thing that would trump. They're just going to go back to tradition. If all parties are open to a reunion, it really doesn't matter what UAPB does. But because I don't want to make it irrelevant, let's just say that we don't know what Jackson State is going to do. We don't know if Tennessee State is even going to want them to come back, especially after how the contract was broken, because Deion Sanders is not the only person at Jackson State. It took a lot of people to break that contract and do everything. And who knows where the, the sides really land at the moment. 
But let's say they don't care about that. Then it's an audition for UAPB. These next two years should be interesting. And I'm telling the fans, you guys need to get out and support and continue to support me as well, making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports Today with Peter Bukowski. He's bringing on the local experts for all of the national stories. And you can get that wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, in the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.